0: This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. With me today is Sam Wilson and Holly Michaels of the Montana State News Bureau. Uh, Sam, you reported last Friday that Republican lawmakers are talking seriously about a possible special legislative session in the coming weeks, and that the governor has indicated a willingness to call lawmakers into session if certain conditions are met. Tell us, how, how, how did we get here?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, it. It kind of goes back to um, a little bit earlier in January when um, a group of voters, including a former Republican Secretary of State, filed a lawsuit in the federal court, um, basically saying that the um, Public Service Commission, uh, which is an elected group of uh, five people in Montana that make decisions on um, utilities and um, and pricing for customers and other things. Um, that the the district map for electing those commissioners has not been updated since the uh, 2000 census. Um, so at this point, you know there's districts that are pretty out of whack, and you know, and that's something that both the Secretary of State, which was the uh, defendant in the lawsuit, and the plaintiffs both agree on in court, which is that you know there's some pretty big discrepancies between some of the districts. You know, populations grown in some places in Montana since two thousand, and other places it um, hasn't grown as fast. Um, at this point, you know, if you look at the smallest and largest districts, there's a difference of over fifty thousand voters in each of those. Um, so the allegation there is that the current map that they haven't updated or or revised since the early two thousands um, has basically violated the Fourteenth Amendment's one person, one vote principle um, because you know, even this smaller districts that has fifty thousand less people is getting the same amount of representation as this larger district that has, you know, a lot more people. Um so that's pretty much what kicked off uh, this whole issue is so the court recently indicated that they're likely to side with the plaintiffs to a certain extent. That they might um, actually step in to redraw some of these districts um, in the absence of the legislature having done anything since uh, the twenty ten census came out, and legislators had multiple opportunities in the session since then to address that and redraw the districts to be more representative. Um, now the the state, which is the defendant in the case, as well as A lot of republicans um you know they would like to be able to address the issue in the 2023 session um montana legislature meets once every two years um but given the court's apparent willingness to redraw these districts on their own republicans recently started discussing calling themselves into a special session just to be able Mm -hmm. to pass a map, basically, that would redraw these new PSC districts to be more accurate. Um, and the argument there is that it's a power that the legislature has to to redraw these districts. They don't want a court intervening and doing their job for them.
0: Right. So the gist is, um, judges requiring um, that these PSC maps um, change or update. And um, has indicated willingness to change them, uh, but uh, lawmakers in the legislature um, are talking about calling a special session so they can prevent a judge from doing it, and they can do it themselves. So, what needs to happen um, to call a special session? So, there's a couple ways
1: to do this. Um, you know, one way that was that has been talked about a little bit um, is for Lawmakers to actually call themselves back in a special session. So to do that, you need okay. to have basically any ten lawmakers can petition the secretary of state to send out polls to all 150 lawmakers, um, asking if they support special session. And if a simple majority of that 150 lawmakers, so 76 of them, agree that they're willing to come back for special session, then that'll get called. Um, that's Actually, never happened before. Um, the legislature has only called itself into special session once before, and that was actually while they were still in session. They basically made a motion to, you know, call themselves back in a special session to finish their business after they adjourned. Um, but in Very every, yeah, but in but in every other case, um, and this has happened, you know, there's been 33 special sessions since Montana became a state. Um, in every other case, the governors called it just because. You know, that's one person versus trying to get 76 people on board. Um, right. And there's right. also some timing issues. You know, we're looking at um, candidate filing deadlines on March 14th. Um, the courts indicated that it might issue a decision even earlier than that. Um, so by the time you get this consensus among lawmakers, send out a poll, you know, there's a 30-day window that can come back. Um, you know, basically the clock's kind of running down on that being an option. Um so, um, kind of the, you know, the news really on uh, on Friday last week was um, a statement from Governor Greg Forte's office um, saying that he is willing to call a special session to address this issue, but, you know, he had some parameters around that. Um, the statement said, if and when they have ample support, they being the legislature, Uh, for a PSC map and an agreement, a special session single focus will be limited to PSC districts. The the governor is willing to call a special session for the sole purpose of PSC-written districting.
0: Hmm. So you kind of touched upon um, the history of special sessions. How how common are they?
1: Do we know? Um, You know, part of this is a little bit of kind of typical intrigue. I mean, I think Holly could probably tell you that just about every interim between sessions, there's, you know, there's rumors of calling a special session for one reason or another. Um, Holly, I don't know if you really have anything to jump in with there, if you want to offer.
2: Yeah, I I mean, we heard during the session that just finished in 21, um, you know, they saved those 10 days that we're hearing about now might help offset the cost of a special session. Because maybe we would need to come back to figure out how to spend you know, this windfall of federal COVID aid that came to the state, that sort of stuff. So I think you hear a lot of rumblings. And yeah, you know, I've been in this job since late 2015 and have covered one special um, where we had the budget fiasco in 2017 was when that special was. So, you know, not super uncommon, but one in the last six years or seven years now that I've been around. So
0: right right so sam are our legislators likely to meet um the conditions outlined by uh the governor Gianforte? forte
1: um yeah that that certainly remains to be seen um you know last week i spoke with over a dozen lawmakers about this um you know trying to kind of get a sense of where they are um you know like. Like I said, one of the governor's conditions for doing this is that there's kind of consensus on maps that they they come in basically for as little time as possible, spend as little money as possible doing this. Um, they already have a map ready to go. They have the support they need to pass it. You know, they basically show up, pass the map, get out of there. Um, and right. and so yeah, the the Democrats um, who have a little bit over a third of the votes in the legislature um, have stated that their caucuses won't support this. They, you know, they're willing to live with a judge redrawing the maps um, for the 2022 elections and coming back in 2023 and figuring this out. Um, You know, and they, and they argue that it's, it's just a waste of money that, you know, as has been said previously, that there's been multiple opportunities for the legislature to address this. Um, it's been in Republican hands since um, since the Census data for twenty ten came out, and they had the opportunities to do this and never acted on it. Um, so they're willing to, you know, basically let the twenty twenty two elections happen with a judicially drawn map, and then come back in twenty twenty three and you know go through the full process, of pulling public hearings and everything, um, and that's. That's another thing that came up is, um, you know, in order to limit the amount of time that a special session would take up, um, they can hold some public hearings beforehand, um, so that there would be some public process, probably not as extensive as it would be during a regular session, but there would be opportunities for the public to submit maps, comment on them, and give feedback, and for legislators to consider that. Um, but yeah, even within the Republican Party, I think there's there's still some debate between. Um, might not be perfect to clear cut between the right wing and the more centrist component of the party, but, um, you know, kind of, that was the sense I was getting that some of the more centrist Republicans have a lot less appetite for bringing a special session. in. um, you know, this is something that the legislative services division has estimated would cost over a hundred thousand dollars just for the first day. And then leave over fifty thousand dollars for each subsequent day
2: oh one thing i just wanted to jump in is you know we do have a pretty good example of how drawing districts can be a really long intense political process with the committee that just did the district for the new congressional seat so we we can kind of look to that to see that it isn't you know you can do a lot of work before and it would probably take a lot of work before in meetings but if we look at how that commission went, you know, they met for a very long time, a ton of work, you know, not in meetings, outside of meetings, lots of public comment, got, you know, pretty, pretty uh, intense battles back and forth kind of along party lines like we saw. So I think it's fair to say that yeah, process could get pretty intense just because we have an example of how that looks pretty from a pretty recent drawing of a district.
1: So in my conversations with uh, a number of Republican legislators while I was working on this story, um, you know a number of people said that there have been multiple maps circulating within their caucuses. Um, you know there's one that was requested by a Republican Senator, Dwayne Ankney, um, who had asked legislative services to basically create a map with some basic parameters um, and they did that in January and there's a few others that I haven't been able to take a look at, but that are circulating and, um, you know, have various pros and cons. And, you know, so there's there's kind of a debate happening behind the scenes, but um, nothing has really spilled out too publicly at this point. Um, you know, and, and I guess to briefly get back to the cost issue, you know, one of the arguments that some of the lawmakers that are supporting a public session make is that you know, they adjourned at day 80 of a 90-day session. So they technically still had 10 days left in the budget to continue to do legislative business for this biennium for this two-year period. Um and you know, other, you know, I, I spoke with another Republican legislator, um, Julie Dooling, and uh and you know, she asked, you know, essentially, is that money burning a hole in our pocket? You know, just because it's there, do we necessarily need to spend it? Um, or is it something that I can just wait and be addressed in a regular session in 2023? So um, at least as of Friday, there was not much in the way of consensus uh, from what I was hearing. Um, I spoke with the uh, president of the Senate, Mark Blaisdell, uh, Republican Calispell. And that was certainly his his take was that there's no math that's really hit that sort of consensus they need to get 76 lawmakers on the board. Um and leadership has been pretty quiet about this. But um, but when I spoke with Blaise Dale, he certainly didn't rule out the possibility of a special session.
0: Sam, I'd like to hear a little bit more about um, what you're hearing from the more moderate side of uh, the Republican Party um, and their concerns over uh, calling a special session.
1: Sure. So, you know, kind of, yeah, one end of the Republican spectrum, I guess, um, you know, some of the more moderate um, or centrist Republicans um, are saying that, you know, they're not super sold on this whole idea of, of a special session, in part because they're worried that it could bleed into other kind of pet projects for other legislators. Um, right. There's, you know, there's talk about um, trying to tack other issues on, and that's something that can be done with a simple majority vote once they call themselves back in a session. So they'd only need to get a majority of uh of legislators on board to be able to tack additional subjects on if even if the governor just called it with this narrow um set of parameters that they're just going to come in to vote on a psc map and then get out get out of there um lou jones is a uh republican representative from conrad and i spoke with him last friday um you know he said basically that there's a limited appetite for a special session period um, but he also had worries that, you know, are shared by some of his colleagues that could bleed into other issues. Um, and, you know, one very Lou Jones quote that I got, um, unfortunately I have audio, but, um, it was a pretty crowded, uh, room. So there's a lot of background chatter in it, but, um, you know, he said, thinking that you could do justice to a complicated topic in a short session is not a concept supported by many folks, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh and there was also a a recent opinion editorial submitted to several newspapers in the state from uh frankney um who worried that quote a hasty call special session will do more harm than good especially as there are legislators who work to extend the session to include their pet topic and um you know and some other kind of more moderate republicans i spoke with also viewed that as a non-starter um but i mean that goal has been pretty explicit um particularly among some Republicans on kind of the right wing of the party, um, Representative Derek Skees, a Republican from Um, you know, he said that this absolutely needs to happen. It's the legislature's job to um, to be able to redraw these districts and not let it fall into the hands of the judiciary. Um, and he's also been explicit and told me in an interview that he supports basically bringing. Um, bringing up a vote that would allow the House and Senate to appoint a special committee that would investigate election integrity. Um, And Mm -hmm. there's been allegations um, from SKIS and from a number of Republican uh, lawmakers uh, that the 2020 elections were marred by fraud, um, that there's potential security holes in Montana's elections, and that they need to have this special kind of investigative committee that could get to the bottom of these things. and so there's, there's been a lot of talk about that. Another representative, Lola Sheldon-Galloway, um, had indicated that she's interested in pursuing abortion legislation um, You know that would be essentially responsive to the potential that Roe versus Wade gets returned. So there's been a lot of back and forth on this. Um, even when I spoke with Skis, he acknowledged that um, tacking on extra issues onto a special session could just kill any appetite for that special session and could leave them with a, a map that's drawn by judges, essentially. Uh,
0: and I, I'd like to just, before we move on, confirm with you guys that there there hasn't been any evidence to suggest that there's been any fraud or issues with Montana's election system that is being claimed, correct?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think as long as there's been elections, there's been scattered individual incidents of people attempting to commit fraud um but yeah, to date there's no there's no substantial evidence that there was any kind of coordinated effort to commit fraud during the 2020 elections um you know and that's worn out in case country, in court cases across the country
0: right right okay just to, just to clear that up make sure um, so Sam, the process, um, for reporting this story, uh, where did it start and where did it go?
1: Yeah. So last week, um, you know, I guess to kind of get back to the topic of, uh, election integrity, um, I went to, uh, what was billed as an unofficial ad hoc committee on election integrity. Um, essentially it was uh, a few. Legislators who were meeting to discuss these allegations um, that there were fraudulent activities during the 2020 election that they potentially impacted the outcome of elections in Montana. Um, And they've this is a group of legislators um, in the Republican Party that have been really pushing for the appointment of the special committee. this surfaced back in September when they submitted a letter to their leadership asking for this committee to be appointed. And um, it's worth noting that, you know, vast majority of Republican legislators, 88 out of 98, uh, had signed onto this letter supporting it. Um, To date, leadership hasn't done that. They haven't indicated that they will do that. Um, When I spoke with Blaisdell, he reiterated that, um, you know, the cost of actually standing up a committee Paying lawmakers to come to Helena every so often to hold hearings on this um, is just something that might not be in the budget for them this time around, um, and that they'd be able to address potential issues when they reconvene in 2023. Um, but uh, this this group of lawmakers they've been holding uh, meetings around the state, um, kind of trying to drum up support for this, and they held a again it was unofficial it wasn't an actual legislative committee hearing but um they called it an ad hoc committee hearing last week and um and i went to that just to kind of get a sense of what what the main arguments they're putting forth were um you know kind of hear some of the discussions that were taking place it was public the press was welcomed in um there were a couple dozen people um kind of throughout you know there were people filtering in and out um, they had some speakers that came in from elsewhere in the country to discuss um, you know some of these conspiracy theories that have that have been kind of proliferating since the 2020 election. Um, so at the very end of the meeting, um, you know they uh, they kind of adjourned it. And then about a minute later, uh, the uh, Senator Teresa Manzella, who was um, kind of chair of this uh, this committee, she whistled for the crowd's attention um passed and uh one of the representatives who was there uh, representative bob phelan got up and spoke and said that um, a deal had just been struck within the republican party leadership that they would be um you know kind of throwing their support behind one of these maps um but it came with a caveat that they would need to basically move forward with some kind of election integrity component to the special session. Um, so I spent the next few days talking to legislators, trying to flush that out um, and kind of getting a sense of how realistic the, the special session was. Um, and then, you know, the uh, the overall tenor that I heard was, certainly indicating that there was more serious conversations going on about a special session than I think um, had been reported up until that point. Um, and then on Friday, um, you know, when I reached out to the governor's office to see if he if he had any appetite for calling a special session, um, they issued that statement, which um, indicated a lot more willingness to do so than they'd indicated in the past. And so, uh
0: since, since publishing of your story, there's been some fallout and criticism. Um, and, uh, to avoid any conflict of interest, um, Holly, I'm hoping you could maybe comment on some of that fallout from Sam's reporting.
2: Yeah. So the first piece of that we saw is a statement that representative Sheldon Galloway sent to our bureau, um, in that she talks about saying she was misunderstood and misrepresented about statements that she made during the event. Sam just ran through all of that. Um, We then saw later uh, State Senator Teresa Manzella sent in a letter to the Helena Independent Record sort of making similar arguments. And then we also saw Representative Derek Skees in a Facebook post sort of address the coverage. I think there's a, Couple things to look at here in her statement to Lee Newspapers, uh, Representative Sheldon Galloway, she wrote, "This is quote: Let me be extremely clear. I have never been interviewed by any reporters regarding the intentions or original meaning of my statements before they ran an article attempting to create division between Representative Skies and myself." That's the end of her quote. And Sam, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know the reporting process. I think it's you know, something that people who aren't, you know, don't work in newspapers or aren't familiar with being interviewed by the press a lot, you know, we go to these events like you did. Um, you you sat there, you took notes, you recorded, and then that's not where your reporting ended, right? There's more that happens after the formal event piece. ends. can you talk a little bit about what happened after these statements were made, you know, into a microphone in front of this audience?
1: Sure, and and that's the that's something that um, that I should clarify. So after uh, Representative Phelan kind of made the initial announcement, um, Representative Sheldon Galloway, who's um, a Republican majority whip um, in the House and also the kind of number two person in the party leadership, um, had uh, she had gotten up and basically kind of explained what Phelan had been talking about, made it a little bit more clear. Um, and I do have a recording of that. um,
2: that The formula, okay? He is willing to give up that drive of his to be a public service commissioner, but you know, you always wheel and deal and he had an opportunity to wheel and deal. So this is what Bob is talking about. He said, okay, but there's a price you're gonna pay for me not running (laughs) and that's what he's asking. Yeah. That's his that. we get our special
0: select committee with
1: full funding. Oh so God bless Derek supporting in all of his endeavors. And you hear his name, nobody is a man. Um Yeah, so that was that was a fairly clear statement about just kind of what was happening internally. Um, you know, it was clearly spoken into a microphone an audience, um, you know, very few of any of the attendees had left the room at that point. Uh, myself, and another reporter, were still in the back of the room, um, you know, waiting to go talk to representatives after the the event kind of ended. Um, and uh, and so I, you know, this was frankly kind of news to me. So I, I went up and I spoke with uh, Representative Sheldon Galloway for about ten minutes afterwards, um, just to clarify that I was understanding this deal correctly. Um, you know, and, and she said that there was a map they were looking at. Um, essentially it would keep Derek Skies, who's termed out of the house now, from being able to run in the PSC district that he was planning on running in um, and that he's campaigning in. And um, And so, you know, in order for him to throw his support behind it, he was asking that they include some kind of election integrity component in this call from special session, you know, and I also because Skies was directly implicated in the comments that Representative Sheldon Galloway made, um, I spoke with him the next day and um, asked him if that was a correct characterization of what happened. Um, he disputed that it was contingent on the election integrity committee. He he did say that he would be willing to accept a map that drew him out if. They determined it was good for the people of Montana, um, but he did say that that was not necessarily, um, you know, if you give me A, I'll give you B kind of conversation. Um, and so I, I included his perspective in the story in that portion. Um, and I also spoke with, uh, with Senator Manzella afterwards, um, you know, she confirmed that was her understanding as well. Um, you know, when I talked to her, she said, This is a situation where a map has been presented and agreed upon. And Derek, Representative Skees, is saying, I'll support it if we have, if we can have a special select committee on election integrity appointed.
2: So another piece in this op-ed that was sent into the independent record from Senator Manzella, part of it is in, I'm going to quote from this again, uh, the quote starts, the character of two people, Two of the most principled, honorable people I know, Derek Skies and Lola Galloway, has been called into question over a few words that were intended for a particular audience, but were instead exposed to the general public through an article and taken out of context. that's the end of her quote there. I think something that might help people kind of understand the reporting process. Sam, if you can talk us through, you kind of hit on this earlier, but this is an event with elected officials. It's something where they were... You looked at the flyer for the soliciting public comment, inviting the public to come and you kind of described this, but this wasn't something that it was not a conversation happening off to the side that you you know overheard or something. Can you kind of walk us through again, just to be really clear, like how this comment was made?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, like I said, um, you know, they kind of called the meeting to an end and then whistle for everybody's attention to say that they had some news, they had an announcement to make. Um, And, you know, when uh, Representative Sheldon Galloway made her comments, she took the microphone that she'd been using for this event and spoke to the entire crowd. Um, You know, in the audio, you can hear some scattered applause after some comments from uh, Senator Mandel as well. Um, But yeah, this was, this was said in a very public way to a room full of people. Um, at an event that, you know, while it was, not an official legislative committee hearing, like they said they would have preferred to have, uh, was publicly advertised, um, it had been advertised for weeks in advance. Um, and you know, it really wasn't, wasn't like I was kind of eavesdropping from, you know, the back of a conversation. I mean, this was, this was made very public, um, at a very public meeting.
2: And going back to this op-ed again, um, Representative Manzella talks about, um, and she uses the words in quotes, wheeler-dealer, and I know that's something that Sheldon Galloway focused on too. Back in this Manzella op-ed, she writes, quote, if one simply replaces the word, and then in sub-quotes, wheeler-dealer, with in sub-quotes, mover-shaker... It gives the whole sentence a different and more accurate feel. That's the end of her quote. I think it's important from my perspective, you know, as a reporter and someone who helps edit these stories. That the words that people use in the moment, especially when they're speaking to a crowd, those have meaning to that crowd at that time. But then, as you've walked through too, you know you did go and talk to the people who you know, made the statement were involved in this process afterward, which is where we get that extra context because I, you know I think it is fair to say sometimes people give statements that are, you know, may be confusing in a public forum or they might use the wrong word and it dramatically changes the meaning of what they were trying to say. It's just a flub. You know, I'm not the most eloquent person in the world and definitely have said something that wasn't quite the way I wanted to shake it. But that's why you do go through that process afterward and your reporting doesn't end. You know, once that statement's made on the stage, your work doesn't end there. There's a lot more that happens there. And I think it's just important for people to understand that, you know, we have seen, you know, in sort of the fallout from this statement, you know, Republicans, when they're, you know, sending this op-ed in or sending the statement to the papers, they're talking about, it looks like this has created some division. Um, coming back to that Manzella op-ed, she wrote, quote, do not allow the liberal media to create unnecessary division and discord in our ranks, end quote. So it does seem like that statement, sparked off some some back and forth within the party about you know whether it's how the special session what the call is for that sort of thing but it does seem like it it caused some some frustrations within members of the party there i think just important context to that is that's that's why we do those conversations and that reporting is you know we don't write articles that are surprises to people you know we talk to them we interview them we ask our questions it's it's all very clear and we give people all the opportunity to explain what they're doing. So I think we afforded that and did you know Sam did his job very well here and people get frustrated about reporting, but you know, when public officials say public things in a public space, that's you know, our job. You know, one thing I did kind of want to talk about is just the importance of you know, there seems frustration within some in the party that these comments were reported on and made public. But, you know, Sam did a pretty good job of laying out the start of this, just how important the drawing of those PSE districts is to make sure Montana voters have their, you know, an equal representation for their voice in this year's election. So, you know, it's Sam, in this case, being a reporter, and this is, one of the more important things I think we do as journalists is you know, the public doesn't have the capacity to attend these meetings and understand how the people they elect make decisions on their behalf. And that's our job as the press is to let people know how that works. So to me, you know, this is a really important part of what we're doing is showing the public you know, one part of the step of how these PSE districts are ultimately going to be drawn.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's, you know, throughout all this, uh, it's important to remember what what this is really all about and it's redrawing those PSC districts and how that happens. Um, all right, well, that's another episode of Big Sky Lead. Um, if you wanna make sure to keep up with the ins and outs uh, happening up at the Capitol and state Montana State Government, uh, be sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.